Nintendo. For the week of December 1st, 2016, I am your host, Jose Otero, and this is IGN's Nintendo Show. Joining us this week, Callie Pleggy. Hello. And Pear Schneider. Hello. And if you like NBC, you know what you could do? You could watch episodes on YouTube.com slash Nintendo Voice Chat. That's a thing. Apparently, you can search for NBC now and find us because somebody mm-hmm. smart enough to finally turn the... the yeah, okay. Um, you can also leave us a review on iTunes like... Gabby Gabito did, where he said, I've been listening to Nintendo Voice Chat for what seems like an eternity, and I'm never let down by the entertainment that these guys bring. In my opinion, they deliver a solidly fun, intelligent, and professional conversation that no other show he's listened to has, which is a huge compliment. Thank you so much, Gabby. We really appreciate that. So, in episode 332, (laughs) we asked you guys, what were your five favorite Nintendo handheld games? This was based off of a thread that caught my interest, and it was a really fun segment. And so we're going to kick things off with Callie giving us her five, but then also reading uh, four responses that we got in. We got a ton in. Thank you so much for emailing them in, by the way. You guys are are great, guys and gals. (laughs) Um, If you need time to, to... a little time. I could read one of them first if you want, or you could just no. take it away. I think I'm ready. She's right. way late. She's yeah. ready to go. All right, Nervous. Callie, kick so it off. I'm, this better be good. So my <laughs> first one that I just was the first thing that came to my mind was Animal Crossing New Leaf. Is one of my favorite games ever. Mm-hmm. I love Animal Crossing, um, and New Leaf just took the Animal Crossing formula and pretty much perfected it for me in a lot of ways. I mean, obviously there's there's things that are irritating about it. I think uh, everyone can agree that Animal Crossing get, sort of like a chore, um, but. I poured so much of my life into that game, and it was one of those games that when it came out, uh, I connected with a lot of people over it. Like, I I was like, oh, what fruit do you have? I'll trade fruit with you. Back when um, I had Wild World, I played Wild World every day for, I think, a year and a half. Jeez. Um, (laughs) That's awesome. Had a little bit of a problem with Wild World. Um, Yeah, Yeah, but the mayor angle really brought a lot to it. it. Yeah, it brought so much to it. I mean, that was the time where I didn't know a lot of people who played games, so I actually used my brother's DSi, and I traded fruit with myself. Um, I had two copies, and so New Leaf was like the first time I got to like play with other people, and it was just the best. So yeah. that's like one of my top picks. And then going back like 15 years, mm-hmm. the next one is Pokemon Crystal, which is actually the first Pokemon game I ever played. That's right. Whoa. Yeah, yeah talk about that. Wow. Yeah, so I when I was a kid, um, I was eight when I got Pokemon Crystal because I was a little bit late to the party on that. I started with the card game, then the anime, then I played the Pokemon games, um, and I refused to play the game until I could be a girl. So... Uh, I was really mad that it was called a Game Boy. I was like this little feminist. <laughs> I was so mad, and I thought it, I thought it, I genuinely thought it I, it wasn't for me. Um, <laughs> Man, and you then, didn't go near a Walkman, did you? No, no I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, <laughs> or a Discman? Yeah, absolutely not. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I got over that pretty quickly because uh, my cousin told me you could be a girl in the new Pokemon game. Okay, uh, and I bought it, and then after that, I bought red, blue, yellow, gold, and silver, and I owned every cartridge through Pearl and Diamond. I got okay. all and you went of the back cards. later. Yeah, so I went back and I played through red, blue, and yellow. Um, but yeah, so Crystal was just one of those ones where, uh, it was cool because you could go back to Kanto, the Kanto region and pretty much play through what you did in, in Pokemon Red. But, um, 
uh, two years, I think it's two years later. And uh, that was because of Iwata-san, who mm-hmm. uh, basically figured out how to fit that whole game into the cartridge. Yeah, and this um, was before they figured out, like, how to move Pokemon up with you, right? Yeah. Like, this was, as the first sequel, I feel like they knocked it out of the park because it wasn't just day-night. Um, I think breeding started in that, right? Breeding, and, and um, a lot of things. Yeah, um, this, uh, they introduced steel and dark types, and yeah. uh, this was before nature's and abilities. And then, so. like, the, the, the idea that not only were you getting all of these new ideas and real-world, like, day-night cycles, but you were also then getting, hey, here's the entire first game again. Yeah. I, I mean, that's quite a sequel. I think, I seriously, up until Sun and Moon, I'm not sure anyone has, any game has lived up to as as high the expectation. Yeah, no, that, that obviously, uh, that was a big game, but I, I just think the... Um, I think the little girl viewpoint is really fascinating on games because, yet, you know, you, inevitably you get people saying, well, as a boy, I didn't really care if I played as a, as a guy or a girl. That's because every game had a male lead. Like if I think yeah. back to my childhood, right, like I played Raiders and Pitfall and all those games on the Atari and like Yars Revenge, I was, mm-hmm. a, I was a B. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, but most, <laughs> most games just had these kind of hero characters, right? Yeah. Like you action heroes and you were so used to it. And that's why Tomb Raider was such a big deal for boys, right? Yeah. Like obviously, you know, the, it, it wasn't about like liberation or identification mm-hmm. that people got excited with, with Tomb Raider originally. It was like, oh my God, it's a hot woman and I can play as a different character, as like a boy's perspective. But then you go back and you think about like, Little girls of that era, right? Like Atari, NES, Super NES of that when, era. When you, as a parent, as the parent nope. of a girl, I mean, you get to see it firsthand all the how time. she responds to like female characters in games all, all the time. And that's not to say like a game like Final Fantasy 15 comes out that's kind of like this boys' road trip game, right? Mm-hmm. Like where you have these male leads, and she loves it. She thinks it's awesome, right? Yeah. Like, but but um, because that game, there's like a purpose and there's a reason for that in the story. But she was always so excited, like when finally, like you know generic toad is replaced with a female playable character in a Mario game like she's like oh my god this is so awesome right like it just becomes this like Someone recognized me moment that yeah. that I always thought even was, even the was number of uh, female really characters cool. in Smash, yeah. even the number of female characters yeah. in yeah. Mario Kart, so, and how that's kind of picked up. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna bring up Smash. Well, so Mario Kart was my next one. Uh, oh, nice! I, yeah. I, I, I knew it. Segued yeah. perfectly uh, as I really really enjoyed I really Mario Kart Seven, and I love Mario Kart. It's probably one of the games I'm best at. Yep. Um, and I say that like I'm very positive about that. I'm really good at Mario seven, Kart. Right? Uh, you, seven, right? Seven on three. N- not specifically oh, no, no, seven. No. I won okay, the IGN. I remember that. Mario That's Kart why I brought up eight. Yeah. Eight championship. Two hundred CC against Brendan Graber, who wrote the guide. That's right. So there's Gauntlet Throne. Objective there we go. proof of this. But uh, <laughs> I just liked having a Mario Kart I could I could take with me, and I just felt like I got a lot of practice with Mario Kart Seven, and that's probably yeah. why I was. It, Eight was so easy to pick up for me. I remember playing it at E3 in 2013, and uh, I went through the line multiple times because I was like, "I'm so good at this game." Yeah. Um, so I just loved having Mario Kart Seven. But I did want to bring up just to touch on what you said with the female characters in Mario Kart and mm-hmm. Smash um, is that I always picked Princess Peach because she was basically mm-hmm. the only female character I, I had that I recognized. I, I I've never played a Metroid game actually, um, which I just don't know how that happened. But uh, yeah. so I didn't have like I didn't have a connection to Samus, um, but I played as Peach. And I didn't even know that she was one of the, like the top tier Smash characters. I just played mm-hmm. as Peach because um, I had my two cousins who were boys and my brother, mm-hmm. and we would play together. And 
it was just me being like, I can fight with like something feminine and still like on par with you guys. Oh yeah. And so I still play as Peach in Mario Kart as well. But it also becomes a recognizable avatar, right? Like mm-hmm. when you're playing multiplayer, my uh, my daughter will play a wide variety of characters like Kirby and stuff too mm-hmm. but like she would also gravitate towards female characters and mm-hmm. like you're having a battle and it's like here's Link here's Mario here's you know cheesy Charizard and then you could rec- you always knew yeah. my daughter was the, the female character yep. in it when we're playing it's, it's I mean I think it's really cool and it's it's obviously things have changed so much in the, la- mm-hmm. in yeah. the last 20 years but it's, it's funny hearing you say you were 8 years old yeah <laughs> I know I'm and discovering a game because it had a female lead for the first time like it's yeah. Yeah, and it's, choice. Yeah. I mean, Pokemon, I mean, just, I guess we're backtracking a little bit, but going back to Pokemon, I mean, mm-hmm. it's one of my all time favorite things in this entire yep. world. Mm-hmm. And it was given to me because uh, they introduced a female character. Like, That's I wouldn't, awesome. I wouldn't have had that series interrupting. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so if you're wondering sure. what that was, it was Siri. Yeah. Um, no, it, it's, it's, uh, I wouldn't have had that if mm. they hadn't put a female character in it. It was just really important to me. Um, the next one. Is totally different. Is uh, I was really really happy with Majora's Mask 3D. Nice, nice. I 100 percent of that game. Wow. Yep. Um, was that the first time you played it, or did you play the N64 one? No, I had played it, but I was when my you were memory minus of it was 12 years old. Yeah, I was a yeah. I was just an infant. No, I, um, <laughs> it's a little scary, maybe for an infant that game. Yeah. I yeah. yeah, I have very vague memories of it and Ocarina of Time. Ocarina of Time memories are very fuzzy uh, because at the time we couldn't buy every game. We rented a lot of games. Um, so I think that was one that we rented and we had to return. So my memories of it aren't very uh, vivid. So playing Majora's Mask 3D, they improved the boss battle so much, um, which basically cinched it as one of my favorite Zelda games. It's in my top three. And um, I played so frequently and so much in like one week that my eyes and thumbs hurt. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and yeah. so oh, I just love it. I yeah. love that game. I love how creepy it is. Did um, you like the stalking stuff? Like the following the characters and everything? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I I did every mask quest. I did every yep. single thing. Be- best yeah. Zelda town by far. That's like, what sold yeah. Nothing comes close. That's what sold me on the, on the game. I remember when we first played it, I was kind of upset that it had this kind of character morphing element that I'm like, that belongs in Banjo Kazooie or like a different <laughs> game. Like I didn't yeah. really want that in a Zelda yeah. game. Yeah. But then the moment you realize like all the stuff you can do, how you can follow characters and like that's what sold me on that but game. But the time and, factor yeah. is so intimidating mm-hmm. for, especially for young people who have, I feel, no concept of time. Like to us, time is infinite because we just don't have a lot of responsibilities. Mm-hmm. We don't have things going on. I find it interesting that they took a chance on an idea that risky because mm-hmm. I think yeah. like I appreciate it 10 times more now and I wasn't that young when it came out, but it didn't feel like an essential Zelda to me when it came out. And this is coming from someone who played them all. Like, yeah. mm-hmm. would drop everything to play them all. Yeah. This was the one that I just like, eh, whatever. Really? That's so weird. Like, I know. I, in I hindsight, it was really dumb. Like, I love that eerie nature of the world. Me too. And, like, how no. it was kind of sad. There was this mm-hmm. kind of fleeting, you know, this sense that everything was fleeting that you didn't have in Ocarina of Time. I mean, Ocarina of Time is like Back to the Future, go back and fix it kind of a yeah, game, right? but up right? until that time, this we one, never man. had a Zelda that was built using another one's tools. And yeah. even that sends the message of, is this one worth passing? Oh, I and see. I think yeah. that's where that's it, where my brain was at the time. Yeah. Maybe, I, I mean, I don't want to make excuses. I say either one is bad. Like, now, I love that game. Yeah. I Yeah, I had this thing that I'm, I'm really glad I... I really got into it when I did when it came out on 3DS because um, the time thing like time was always a really big anxiety mm. uh, trigger for me like when I was younger if I got home still is when you play that game I hope it I, is, mean, it I mean absolutely gives but me in, in great anxiety when that 
bell rings every time. In uh, in real life, like if I got home twenty minutes later than I expected to, my whole afternoon was ruined and my whole schedule was ruined and I just I could not handle it and it was just this big stressor for me and I used to spend hour like way too many hours doing homework and all this stuff and I would be up until 1 3 a.m doing homework and redoing it and getting really stressed out uh, about time and so playing Majora's Mask and uh it was so hard at first because the time part really freaked me out but then when you figure it out and you get control over it it was actually really helpful Mm -hmm, uh and then it, it kind of made me reflect on that part of my life and it it put it in a better uh, perspective and and so in that sense Majora's Mask really helped me um so it just remains really important to me and it's something that I think is worth revisiting so my my daughter won't finish the game because it's too creepy really oh yeah. man so she's not even going to do the the Kafka Kafka is it the Kafka That's, love quest oh the, the yeah, yeah. The, yes Kafka do that one I'm not no. sure no she just Kafka that, is a writer she just thought it, it just got too creepy <laughs> it was something with a K it sounds like that name and but if, I you, can't if you think about the final boss battle and everything it is a freaking creepy game you know? oh yeah it no, is. totally yeah. totally absolutely yeah, it's a total cakewalk if you had the deity mask Continue. Yeah. Oh yeah, <laughs> uh, and then because there's so many games. I mean, handheld is one of my favorite ways to play games. Uh, probably my Cafe. favorite way. His Cafe. name is Cafe. Yes, I screwed that up. Keep going. It's okay. I knew. I was like Kafka wrote Metamorphosis. Yeah, that's where my brain. Went. <laughs> well, it, it has something to do with the game. Yeah, it's <laughs> true. Go for it, it relates. Uh, Link woke up as a cockroach. Um, yeah. You know, so because there were too many to choose from. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one is mostly a nostalgia thing uh, because this is how I was first introduced to this classic game. Was I had my Game Boy Advance SP and I got Namco Arcade Museum, and that's when I started playing Galaga. Mm. And my mom told me that it was one of her favorite games to play at arcades when she was a kid. And she got herself a Game Boy Advance SP and a copy of Namco Arcade Museum so she could play Galaga again. And so that's how I got introduced to one of my mom's favorite classic games. She told me about going to the bowling alley in the 70s and playing that game. And now I have the high score in the IGN office. Um, wow. all things. Oh, yeah, that's right. I heard about that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. When all, was that? Yeah. I, 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 no, I'm not a big Galaga guy. Yeah. I, uh, I set the high score. Um, and you taunt Sam about it, right? Yeah, yeah. because Ooh. yeah, Sam loves his arcade games, and um. I was like, I get three hundred thousand every time. <laughs> um, uh, and it's because I was able to uh, to play that and get introduced to it on Nintendo handheld. And I think that's something that uh, like things like Chrono Trigger coming to handheld mm. uh, for kids who weren't around when it first came out. Uh, I just love that Nintendo is so good about keeping mm. its uh, classic games alive. And I, I know Galaga isn't a Nintendo classic game, but keeping. Um, the, the history, yeah, the yeah, history yeah, of no, gaming, no, totally, totally. Uh, preserved yeah. on a handheld is is one of the things I really value about it as well. And so having Namco Game Museum was that's a big really deal. interesting because yeah. I hadn't thought about that. Like, how do you know kids, young people nowadays get introduced to like the classics, right? Mm-hmm. Like. Mm-hmm. Can you really get into Miss Pac-Man or something like that? That or do you play it and you're like boring and you walk away? But it's awesome that you've stuck with it. Mm-hmm. So it, do you let the uh, do you let them take your ship or do you defend oh, yes. your ship? So just higher score that way. My yeah. my strategy yeah. is on the first level they don't shoot at you when they're coming down. If you ever played Galaga, uh, you don't shoot at them because you'll get more points if you shoot at them while they're attacking you after they're in formation. So you rack up as many points as you can on the first level, then you let them take your ship, and then you sweep through mm-hmm. all of the challenging. Stages and I have them memorized up to I think the fifth or sixth. Nice. Um, 
That's good. Yeah. So quality. Right. <laughs> I have a whole strategy yeah. for it. Uh, but yeah, just um, that's one of the things that I always valued about having my Game Boy or my Game Boy Advance, and then yeah. my DS and my 3DS is having access to those things. I mean, that was the way I was able to play. I know you said no virtual console games, so this is an honorable mention. But it was, yep. I was able to play the original Legend of Zelda for the first time on my that's 3DS okay. um, because we couldn't afford a, a Nintendo or a Super sure, Nintendo. Sure. So it's just really great that I have those opportunities, okay. and I'm just really happy. I love my 3DS so much. So what's your last game? Those were five. Was that five? Yeah. Oh, wait. Uh, I guess it was. I thought there was one more. Oh, where's my yeah, head that's at? It. All okay. right. Well, here, yeah. here's four Three more. I, I cheated. I said a couple extras. Uh, no. I, the Gal- <laughs> yeah, the Galaga Greatest Hits one. I was like, wait. Oh, yeah. I guess that's, that's more than one. Yeah. Um, so from Kirk uh, via email, he said, Fire Emblem, Link's Awakening, Donkey Kong 94, which uh, he's a big fan of, uh, Pokemon Red and Blue, and Advance Wars. Um, Ryan, also on email, uh, Super Smash Brothers for 3DS, uh, which I'll read uh, his, you know, he had a description for each one. I'll pick, uh, actually, I'll pick number one to read instead. Uh, so he had Smash Brothers 3DS, Pokemon Gold and Silver, The Legend yeah. of Zelda, A Link Between Worlds, uh, Fire Emblem Awakening, Great Choices, and for his uh, number one, uh, maybe these weren't listed in order, he has Pokemon Red, blue, yellow, which is still all part of that first mm-hmm. generation of Pokemon. Yep. My first real Game Boy game was Pokemon Yellow. Not only did this addict me to Pokemon, but completed my connection to Nintendo. Um, and he really admired that the simple idea was so incredibly complex as well. And that's yep. it's always been Pokemon's secret sauce, really. It's that mm-hmm. whole, like, this is uh, the catch em all thing. Just kind of, it gets you. And you go, oh my, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get everything I can. Uh, and then here from Austin, we have Animal Crossing New Leaf uh, and uh, Phoenix Wright Ace Attorney. Nice. Oh, good pick. There's a new one yeah. out on mobile. I haven't played it yet. Uh, mobile, uh, excuse me, mobile. Monster Hunter Ultimate. Mobile Hunter Ultimate would be nice. Uh, four. Uh, Monster Hunter 4 Ultimate. Uh, Professor Layton and the Unwound Future. Cool. Um, Sonic Advance 2. And then finally from Darren. Mario Kart DS, Metroid Zero Mission, uh, The Legend of Zelda, A Link Between Worlds, Animal Crossing New Leaf, and then, I love this one, Astro Boy Omega Factor. Wow. Which is a great, great, great Game Boy Advance game. Um, nice. Probably w- one that surprised people for a licensed game just how good it was. Yeah. Yeah, you remember that? Yeah, I played, yeah. I played a little of it. It, it seemed really like you don't expect that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, from from any kind of movie, TV show, yep. anime license. So, yeah, that's so, awesome. So uh, we avoided uh, two weeks ago talking about Pokemon Sun and Moon because surprise, Pokemon Sun and Moon was coming out, and I feel that uh, the audience that especially loves Pokemon games doesn't really want to hear about them early. Um, yep. They're already kind of committed mm-hmm. and give people some folks time to catch up. So, and we did that. So here we are uh, talking about Pokemon Sun and Moon. Callie, you gave this game a 9.0 on mm-hmm. the IGN scale, uh, which is amazing. Talk about it. Talk about your review and talk about why you loved Sun and Moon. Yeah, so um, actually when you asked me to list my uh, five favorite games, I was sort of tempted to put Sun and Moon on there. Um, mm-hmm. Pokemon, Pokemon, I was going to I was going to switch out Crystal, but I thought Crystal had the better origin story. Um, but uh, I just really loved it. Was the first Pokemon journey um, to really integrate the region in a meaningful way? Uh, a lot of them are based on Japan, as as um, I think most people have seen that map of the, the overlay, like uh, Kanto and Johto and all that, and it's part of different Japanese prefectures. Um, but uh, we've had like France and basically Unova is like New York. Mm-hmm. Um, but they weren't really – they didn't feel um, in, engaging and I couldn't really get uh, engrossed in them. And, and Alola, it was like everywhere I went, there was something 
that was Pokemon, but with a little bit of a twist. Yeah, it felt exotic. It felt very much that way. It was appropriate for the world of Pokemon, but I was always a little bit surprised Mm -hmm. um, with the way the trial system works, for example. I was going in there, and they were challenging. Like, I was having some trouble because I I was preparing the way I would for a gym instead of preparing a balanced team. And then halfway Mm -hmm. through the game, I realized all my – Pokemon were attackers and not special attackers and I was like I'm an idiot Um, because I was just I was just I wanted to see all the new Pokemon I didn't know all the new Pokemon yet they didn't release all of them and I was just like this is a whole new discovery because all these Pokemon are going to be island themed and like um, so I thought they did such a fantastic job of of making it a world that I wanted to be in and explore (laughs) and I was just really invested in the journey and I wasn't even trying to rush through to get to the end game. I had to play quickly to get the review up on time, but um, like I'm, I've put in an additional 35 hours since the review was posted. Oh, uh, and you're not going to stop at 35, I'll tell you that. I'm you're not. You're going to keep going for a bit. Uh, today, currently, uh, when you called me to come in here, I was chaining for a ditto so I could start <laughs> breeding a team. Um, I think uh, the other thing I really loved about it, and these are probably the two big points in my review, um, but if you want to know more, you can read it on IGN.com, a website you might have heard of. Um, the, the other thing is I think they fixed a lot of uh, the things that were stale about Pokemon or the things that don't work anymore. So, um, Like what? Um, they fixed very simple things. I mean, there were little things that I just freaked out over. Uh, one is when you catch a wild Pokemon, you have the option to add it into your party right there. Yeah. And yeah. I don't know why that gave me so much joy, but I was like, this is the best thing. Because you remember the pain when you're excited about a catch, and then you're like, oh, I have to go all the way back. Walk all the way through Mount Moon. And and so it was just this little little thing. (laughs) So the other thing is they got rid of HMs completely, Mm -hmm. and it was like – they heard my my hopes and prayers because I hated the HM system. It's an antiquated, uh, artificial way of sectioning off the map for you, mm-hmm. uh, basically saying, do this, and then you can go to this area yeah. because you're not ready for it. And I just hated how artificial it felt because yeah. I was like, I can literally just – move to the side and go around the tree and then I'm there. Um, The the interesting thing to the HM thing is it's kind of like uh, special items in Zelda but without the cool factor of the items themselves were cool. Yes. The moves you needed to break things or to surf or to swim or to whatever it was Never felt cool. Well, and you I were limited, right? I mean, like Link Between Worlds played a little bit with that, right? Yeah. But, um, but in Zelda games, you get the hook shot. It's not you get the hook shot, and sorry, you have to leave the hammer behind, right? Yeah, like yeah. which this yeah. took so, up a slot. No, and I think yeah. that's yeah, I totally mean, it. Yeah. So uh, I think the only move I ever enjoyed using was surf because I yeah. always I almost always do water starters um, and I didn't in Sun and Moon and I sort of regret it because I kind of like Poplio best and I'm like kicking myself um, I, I should have stuck I used Poplio because all, all my kids uh, didn't so I had oh. to be I had to you be, had to be the, had to be the, I had to the be balance the, take one for the team I had to be the seal trainer <laughs> like Aw. I I just no, I have clown seal from from day one I did Sorry, water no st- clown, clown seal fans <laughs> team Poplio fans from, don't hate pair yeah <laughs> I understand. Uh, from day one, I was a water starter kid, so I just uh, I'm kind of like oh, I should have stuck with my gut. Um, but uh, so surf was the only one I've, I was ever into because I was like, ah, oh, it's a big wave or whatever. Uh, as a kid, I thought it was cool. But um, uh, the most HMs was uh, in Hoenn in Gen three. You needed eight to completely traverse oh, yeah. the map, which and, means yeah. that's 
eight move slots yeah. you need to have. Well, and it was your big gripe with the remake is that they Absolutely. didn't address that. They didn't try to change that, they even though X and Y took a step forward and you know reduced they only had the number. Five, I believe, in yeah, X and Y, yeah. and it never felt like it was. It, you know, I got really far in Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire, and there was a, a certain HM I needed. And I was just like, now, here, of all places, I got to go all the way back because I don't have the Pokemon. You got to be kidding me. Yeah. And I, yeah. I totally hear you. Yeah, and so there was even a, a – this is a term I don't really like because I think it's insensitive. But um, people oh. would use HM slaves yes. or uh, a different term that I'm not going to say. Uh, and you would catch a, you know, a furret or mm-hmm. – you know, a linen, and you would load it up with all the HMs. Because linen could do Rock Smash, Strength, Surf, and another one, um, Cut. And so it was like, oh, just carry a linen with you, and it has pickup, and so it gets yeah. items for you. And but it's you like give up a so slot we, on your team. Then, that, mm-hmm. Now you're a five Pokemon team instead exactly. of six. Yeah. And so in Sun and Moon, they have something called Pokemon Ride or Poke Ride, um, and you can basically call a rent a Pokemon um, that that doesn't take a slot up in your team. It's not your Pokemon. You're basically you just hmm. page it, and it comes, and it you know a Charizard swoops you up, or a Lapras helps you surf. Um, and I was I am still trying to fill out the sixth slot on my team i was just i'm still not used to it i was like i have so much space in my party my pokemon can finally learn protect because there's room for it like i'm just so happy she's dabbing tears right now. Like, oh. she came from a frugal age yes um yeah it's yeah. so uh just the the fact that they recognize and that's not the only thing that they fixed there's a uh, different changes um ui stuff's great i mean yeah, the, every the, everything i mean i feel like the ui gets a new coat of paint every time but a lot of the old problems were still there and here i was seeing like okay the the pokemon uh the pokeball catch button super helpful yeah. the uh the way they're displaying information the yeah. way they're telling you, you hey you closed this thing uh and you might not remember but your pokemon has had a status effect put on it twice well, and you can find that's, out that's the coolest thing is like they really uh they made it accessible to new players without being obtrusive to veteran players. Yeah, yeah. super so effective moves. The super yeah. you can see what moves are super effective and I check that still cuz I like it's a lot the type chart is a lot to remember and I'm getting old now. So <laughs> I'm like back in my day it wasn't super <laughs> you effective. You guys make me feel really really good now. Thank you. <laughs> back in my yep. day this mm-hmm. was super effective and now it's back not. When I was 22. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, they, um, yeah. But but so but it's not like popping up on the screen because sure. if I mean I Obviously, I remember most of them because I've been doing this for basically my whole life. Uh, which I is figured weird... your entire room is just chart posters for Pokemon. Yeah, it's like the um, table of elements but oh, for Pokemon. No, I, yeah. I actually do have tabs open. See? I have an app for this, and then I have <laughs> tabs open of different things, and I'll get sure. to the tab I have open in no a second. No tattoo? I should, oh, my God. Oh, man. You could have the total table. On, I was yeah. thinking about getting a, like a lightning bolt or something. But anyway, um, they just make it so it's like it's not annoying for me as someone who I know that water is super effective against fire. I've known that for you know twenty years, but um, it's it doesn't bother me. It's not flashy or it's just so so well designed. Yeah, and you don't have to dig through as many menus. You can see what your moves do yeah. and how it's you know they like, they streamlined a lot. And I yeah. you know I I kind of. I haven't played Pokemon seriously for a few years. I kind of stopped because I'm like, all right, I get it, same thing, right? Yeah. Like I've played this, my kids love it, and I, I get enjoyment out of them playing and me giving them tips and stuff. But I, I started this one, and I'm going to keep on playing. It's yeah. just like it is it is streamlined. Like a lot of things are fixed. It has a, an interesting 
um, island for me to explore, right? Mm-hmm. Like it definitely like I just went to vacation to Hawaii this year, so it's like mm-hmm. it's cool to kind of see their take on it and everything. There's one my one little pet peeve that they still haven't fixed is when you talk to someone and they tell you their life story. And I'm like, oh, crap, I already talked to that person. Just let me hit, hit B and get out of the conversation. <laughs> they always do this thing, right? You're like, well, the, the moment you notice, you're like, oh, no, I already talked to this guy. You're like, and then I went to the supermarket. And then, yeah. you know, you're, like, you're stuck in that conversation. Yeah. Just such an old kind of limitation back from the Super NES days. Like, let us go Yeah, B I like how X, some games let you just walk yeah. away, which would be the yeah. rudest thing to do in person. Right. But uh, it sends a message. Um, yeah, don't be, uh, don't be I, a robot and tell I me think, the same uh, story. I, I think, and we've talked about this a little bit, uh, especially after you and I came back from the preview event for this mm-hmm. game. But um, I thought from the perspective of telling a story, I liked a lot of the camera work they did on cutscenes. Like Absolutely. the opening cutscene really has more flair to it than I think any Pokemon handheld mm-hmm. game has had. However, I do feel that the island theme saves them and, and the new trials and introducing uh, sort of a different path instead of the gym um, mm-hmm. approach they've done forever mm-hmm. saves them from having to tell a better story. And I feel like yes. they're still dropping the ball in that one category. I just always feel like you could take this a little further. Yeah. You can get uh, – not to say your writers are bad, but I think that Pokemon has the endearing qualities of, of a really strong – like a Pixar brand. And you can have a story that is entertaining for kids and entertaining well, for the adults. Well, cartoon, the cartoon series had deeper storylines yeah, too, right? This, like this is a, a kid's more, yeah. story. This yeah. is not an adult Butterfree. story. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's, that's what mm. still bothers me about Pokemon. Yeah, so there were a couple things with the story. I thought that they did a good job for, for what had come before it. Um, mm-hmm. I thought that – I saw the effort there to yeah. um, tell a story that was, you know, in, not without spoiling anything, just something that kids and adults could relate to mm-hmm. that was heartfelt and there were some darker themes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I saw all of that. I think the localization left uh, much to be desired. I, I think there were there are some really awkward phrasing uh, and mm-hmm. I have been screenshotting a lot I mean screenshotting the best you can do on a 3DS is just taking a picture yeah, of your yeah. phone but, but, um, but sort of c- keeping mm-hmm. track I've, of how many left you kind of feel like keeping, why is this here I've been yeah taking pictures uh, Nick Robinson on Twitter was talking about it and I sent him one where a hiker uh, before I battled him said what do you think of the largest of, of my area and I did not know what he was referring to um, <laughs> so uh. There's just stuff like that where I'm like, you, are you sure you didn't look at that a second time? And a little I think, rushed, right? Literally, yeah. yeah. Like I bet they ran out of time with the implementation because um, I well, worldwide launches writing, would do that. Yeah. I mean, because yeah. there yeah. is basically in that scenario, you would imagine localization and development are happening at the same time, yeah. which is not easy for anyone. And, and so it's I, not I like you. you copy paste out of a document, right? Yeah. Like somebody has to implement it there, and then if they introduce a typo or an, or an mm-hmm. issue, it might yeah. not get caught until. Yeah, no. j- yeah, just a side note on afterwards. the localization thing, yeah. then we'll move back, I swear. Yeah. Um, uh, Legend of Localization is a book series you guys should look into. The second uh, book about Earthbound mm-hmm. was released, and if you really want to learn mm-hmm. a lot about that process, get that book. Like, just trust me. Uh, Clyde uh, Mandel is a translator and interpreter, and he does a really good job of helping you understand that process, mm-hmm. and he especially does it for Nintendo in the late 90s, which is probably where a lot of the principles right. and the th- factors and, and things that they're using came from. Right, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. So one of the things, if you don't know much about localization, is uh, if the original is in Japanese, the character, uh, you have a, l- a lot uh, more room to say things in Japanese because of the way Japanese characters work. Um, so fitting English in text bubbles can be very tricky, yeah, yeah. Um, or any you know like Germanic or Romance language where the uh, it's a Rome Arabic no Roman no 
what's the word for what our alphabet is? <laughs> we have we our, ha- uh, our Roman alphabet. It's, <laughs> I'm having trouble. Romaji. I'm, I'm like Romaji. yeah, I know. I'm like Romaji. Yeah. I, I've learned. I've studied too many languages in my time that all of them kind of blur. Um, but uh, yeah, so that is something that I, I take into account. They also offer a lot of different languages at the start. You can pick between I think four or five. So mm-hmm. I think that's really cool that they are trying to do that. Like you can play the game. If you bought it in North America, you can play the game in French. Like, it's just mm-hmm. like they offer that, and so I appreciate that. Um, I think the other gripe – there's two gripes that people had that I didn't necessarily uh, – I mean, I respect them, but I didn't notice them as much is a lot of people said the start was slow. I think part of that is them try- – I think a little bit of the beginning of the game is trying to un- help you unlearn what you know about Pokemon mm-hmm. a little bit. Like, mm-hmm. oh, this – we have trials here. And so I think they overworked that a little bit at the beginning. Mm-hmm. It wasn't slow for me, probably because I was playing through it pretty quickly. Yeah. And I had played through the beginning already at our demo. Well, I, I'm, I'm always impatient when I start a Pokemon game because I'm like, I know I'm going to go get my first Pokemon. Yeah. Right? Like, and so I'm like, ah, come on. Out of my right, way. Shut up. Like, coming like, through. No, yeah. like that, that I, I would love for a game to really start with that like much faster yeah. always but like I get it and like you you know you kind of want to learn more yeah, about you gotta, the characters you gotta set the like, stage yeah. have a little that, bit of an kind of what intro. they go for and yeah. I, I think they really did um, put in a lot of work to get you to know the characters and mm-hmm. I really care about Lily I mm-hmm. love Lily as a character mm-hmm. and so I'm happy with how that turned out even though a lot of people were like it's so slow to start I totally get that mm-hmm. the other thing is SOS battles is what people are calling it is when a Pokemon can call for help uh, it replaced horde battles a lot of people hate this mechanic because it can be very annoying to catch Pokemon if you're just playing through to catch Pokemon it can Pokemon. make a battle last too long yeah. but I've seen but, people going crazy oh, about oh the big brother showed up and I can catch no, uh, see, that's the certain thing. types way earlier than I should be able to and, and at levels I never would have exactly yeah. SOS yeah. battles rule, and it's because you can get a Salamence, a level 10 Salamence on the first island. Yeah, that's if the one you, I was thinking yeah. about. I just couldn't remember you, his name. If yeah. you go through an SOS, SOS battles are fantastic for chaining for IVs, for chaining for shinies. Um, for get, I've caught I caught um, a Chansey out of an Elekid battle, and I got an Electabuzz after, yeah. out of a different Elekid battle. And so I've been pretty much destroying the Pokedex, like just yeah, going yeah. through. And it's really helped. And I, and it also helps with EV yield. So for a lot of uh, post-game competitive stuff, mm-hmm. SOS battles are so cool. And I'm yeah. super no, stoked I'm, I'm about it. You. I'm with nice. you on that. I think um, that uh, that that's – and it added a new layer of, of mystery to the games. And I, I feel like, if anything, one thing obviously you can do if you're annoyed by SOS battles is use Repel, first of all, to not get into a battle or just run. I, run isn't – isn't the worst thing to do it's and not. I yeah I do wish so there's an item called adrenaline orb and oh, if you I use it that. if yeah. you use it during battle it increases the chance of a pokemon calling for help um, so you can con- can chain more easily um, and it's nice because you can also stall using it because you can only use one per battle so if the pokemon isn't calling for help you can just use another adrenaline orb but it doesn't consume it um, and so it's a pretty cool item mm. that helps a lot with that mechanic but I wish they had introduced an item that you could use to discourage mm-hmm. uh, calling for help if you really just want to catch this Pokemon, a loner or, or yeah, yeah, or if you are make like, that Pokemon stinky so nobody can yeah, help it, I'll exactly. Dung garlic, a dung orb, I like dung it. Orb. Yeah, I, yes. because uh, <laughs> one, of, <laughs> one of the things that concerns me is uh, EV EV training is very specific, especially for a complex spread. If you're not investing the full two fifty two points into a stat, um, I had an Arcanine spread where it was like 96 in one stat or something and so Mm -hmm. i had to be very precise Mm -hmm. and um unfortunately i can't 
import that Arcanine because Pokebank isn't working, which oh, I'm really yeah, mad January. about. Yeah, it'll, so it'll come mad. in January. I'm not, I'm not too disappointed. I'm very I, bitter I about it. A, as a dad, I was happy because that's the first thing my son asked for. Is like, we got to now download yeah. Pokebank. Poke I'm like, nope. No, yeah. I, I like the later implementation um, only because it forces be you to take Sun and Moon for what it is. But if no, you've been training so, a team, getting ready, you that team's on hold. Well, so uh, I'm mad about it for my Pokedex because uh, in... VGC six, uh, 17, the, the next season of competitive, you can only use Pokemon caught in Sun and Moon. So mm. I wanted them to breed with, um, but I was really bummed about my Arcanine. But anyway, oh. uh, I wish you could essentially repel SOS battles yep. because if you want to get like two more EV points, it would be a lot easier to uh, avoid a problem. But you can always run yep. from the yep. battle. Yep. Um, but on the note of Pokemon Bank, yep. I do agree that it really lets you take Sun and Moon at face value yeah, and not no. just import your Kanto variant Raichu. You get your yeah. Alolan Raichu yeah. and you get to learn a new yeah. uh, set of Pokemon in a new uh, world. And it's kind of cool what Pokemon they included and didn't include. Um, and so Great. I do appreciate yeah. that, but I'm just really... I really want to start breeding. Well, you're at master class, so I can totally, <laughs> under, uh, totally, totally understand that. Um, so then uh, uh, another game we're here to talk about today is Super Mario Maker for Nintendo 3DS. Before we get Ooh. to a mega, super-duper-sized question block, uh, multiple blocks even, in fact. So Mario Maker's on 3DS now. We sure knew is. this announcement mm-hmm. uh, as of September 1st when Nintendo sort of unveiled it during a Nintendo Direct, like, surprise. Um, and... From the start, we knew sharing was going to be an issue because Nintendo owned up to, yeah, we're not doing online sharing. Um, the review is in. It is a 7.2. Uh, if you're playing for the offline content or even for the limited versions, the limited ways it talks to the internet, you're okay. My big problem with it is that Mario Maker is the promise of not just creation but being part of a community. And I know that out of the gate, Nintendo didn't get that community right with the Wii U version. It went through growing pains. You had different types of – different members of the audience are arguing for different things. But I don't think any of that should have meant that the 3DS version go in the way they did. It's yeah. interesting. To me, it's as if you released Animal Crossing on the 3DS today and you said in order to visit somebody's town, you'd have to swap carts. Yeah. Right? Like you give your cartridge to somebody else and they can go to your town. That's the well, equivalent you, for, for, you know, Mario Maker. Like, and you can't do that in this. No. And <laughs> the it's minute a, you do and, it, rewrites all the data and we'll reset everything it, to zero. And like, I mean, the only thing I can think is it, they wanted to get this out for the holidays this season and it would have taken longer. They looked at it and they said in order for us to change the infrastructure, it would have been too much time. Then it would have been next year. And next year it's not a story because we want to put it also on the Switch. And like, but, that's the only reason because like it really really is so hobbled when you cannot share mm-hmm. and you cannot get feedback. Like, I can download yeah. courses that others have built on the Wii U, yep, but yep. I can't get feedback. So before – I'm going to throw it over to you in a second, Kelly. I just want to elaborate that sharing is restricted to basically 3DSs in your area. Yep. So if you street pass someone, you can select the level that gets passed to them automatically. Or if someone is within the vicinity that has a 3DS, you can send your level to them mm-hmm. right on the spot. It's super fast in terms of transfer. There's no slowdown whatsoever. It's just – that can't be the only two ways to do it. Like, I, I just feel like that was a big mistake. Right, yeah. Uh, that's a really good way to go into what I was going to say, actually, is, like, the the limited sharing. It, a big part of creativity and of creating something and making something is sharing it with others. And I think that's a big part of the human experience, actually, is just having that interaction with others and, and saying, this is what I made, and then mm-hmm. seeing what somebody else made. Like, when we did the Mario Maker Challenge here and seeing – 
you know, I played with Eric Sapp, who's on the design team, and seeing the level he made and the level I made and just being like, I didn't even think of that. Mm-hmm. Or like playing a level Jose made and, and being like, oh, my God. What how a did, bastard. Yeah, well, that too. But how did he think to put that there? I didn't even think of that. Like I thought I was clever with this yep. thing. And, and mm-hmm. I, I just think that's, such a, that's what made Super Mario Maker so cool and why we all talked about it in the office all the time. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, did you see this level? Uh, I saw this speed run of this level this guy created, and it was so cool. And just um, not being able to to just share, it's sort of like a just sending something out into the ether and being like, I hope this person plays my level, but mm-hmm. I'll never know, and I'll never know what their levels are like. Yeah, and you, and and, you don't even get uh, the levels that you can play from the internet. You can't leave feedback on. You can't leave stars on. It's this one-way mirror, and therefore it is you sort of – you don't get to participate in the community, but they wanted to still include something like that. Now, going back to your point, though, and you saying I, – I do think it was a timing thing, but I wonder what the thinking was around just making 3DS versions talk to each other and not to the Wii U ones. Because if the 3DS version of this game was basically retreading the yeah. Wii U version yeah. idea of upload it – you got a code for it. You get feedback on Miiverse for it. You do all that. I mean, it could also be that other parts of that just there wasn't a way to implement it properly. I agree with you, though, on the timing observation for sure. I just wonder. I never had the expectation this had to work with the Wii U version. If you would have told me Nintendo is going to do a Super Mario Maker for 3DS, I would be okay with it only talking to 3DS. And then if and like one being day a they different ecosystem. Switch, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm okay yeah. with that because you, you guys have some steps to learn. Look right. at how the Wii U version matured yeah. and how levels will get deleted, how there wasn't clear communication. I think they needed a do-over. And I think the 3DS could have been that do-over yeah. and it isn't. But it is. Uh, and it's interesting if you think about how Smash Brothers was this full-fledged game on two platforms, right? That really supported everything you could dream of and then also had something that was unique for each platform. And like this Mario Maker does not have a Game Boy tile set or anything like yeah. that, right? Mm-hmm. It is literally the Wii U version with some, you know, it has an interesting kind of take on single player because yeah. they obviously need to give you more levels to actually play with. Yeah, the but, metal mm-hmm. challenges. But yeah. I think the biggest bummer is that when I when I was in the in the thick of creating levels on Wii U, I would upload a stage and then I would look at what happened, where the deaths occurred, and I would see the comments and I'd be like, why are they all getting stuck there? And it made me a better designer. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, like that instant feedback like that I wouldn't get from you playing and I'd be standing with you and saying like, oh, no, you have to hit this question That's because the whole mark, time right? I'm telling you it sucks. Like that's, yeah, that's exactly. just the truth. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, but, but when you're with your friends, you're going to go like, oh, you got to kick the shell down there, right? Like you don't get that. And so with the Wii U version, it wasn't just all fun and games and like getting big star ratings saying people love my level. It was also like, oh, crap, people don't like it because – I didn't show them the way, right? Yeah, and like, yeah. that's all gone. It's it's a it's the game that made me feel like a better critic mm-hmm. because I felt like I understood design a little more. And mm-hmm. I, I mean, like, I forget where I, I was. Somebody talking about game design and talking about how um, I think it was in a Nintendo thing. I maybe you recall this, but it was, t- it was talking about the the prime concern in game design is like, how do you give this language to the player. Oh, I said that. No, I'm kidding. I didn't. Uh, (laughs) Uh, And um, show the player, not tell the player. Um, Yep. And that was one of the things that Mario, Super Mario Maker really taught me when I was playing it. And uh, it gave me a better appreciation for game design, something that I thought I had done a decent amount of research in i was like i have this whole new perspective on it um because of that because of that seeing okay where do people i don't know Mm -hmm. 
drop off yeah. on this. Yeah. Um, my friends who know me are going to be like, oh, she put an invisible thing because she thinks that's funny or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, you know? someone at this yeah. table does that all the time or told me to <laughs> do that all funny. the time. It is it's very, very funny. funny. It, can, it can be funny. <laughs> um, uh, I, I did want to say, though, in, in the positive section of, of mm-hmm. this review is that the tool set is, is very well executed. Mm-hmm. They got everything to work. They got everything to fit on a much smaller screen. And they got it to feel like it is seamless still to basically jump between the two worlds of playing and creating. There's a slight pause. It's not long. It's not even a pause. Um, and I like that about it. I like that that was preserved. I think that on a single-player front, uh, the Mario Challenge, making it this 18-world trek mm-hmm. is what it turned into. And there's a hidden 19th world if you get mm-hmm. 40 medals. I think the medal challenge idea is really smart. Um, I hope that the medal challenge idea can come to future versions of this game. Like, Wouldn't it be great to sort of identify, hey, if you do this extra thing – you get a medal. Yeah. And you get to sort of determine that. I think that's that's the future of creation in general that people would like to try. I know, yeah. Um, I, I was immediately struck by, like, all the possibilities that that opens. Yeah. And, like, you could have a reward structure where, like, if you, you know, if, an if-then statement mm-hmm. where if you complete these extra challenges, there's something extra that it opens up, right? Yeah. Like, you could do all these cool things And if you don't want to make it programming, just that, yeah. give folks a list and say, okay, what do you want them to eliminate? And you can say, okay, every Goomba or yeah. every Piranha yeah. Plant. But now but, the complexity can get wrapped in this mm-hmm. very rote, like, oh, this is systemic, like, like these mm-hmm. are the same options, but Nintendo's a creative company. Like I would hope that they can figure out the rest. This is as far as I take the idea. I just got really excited about the the prospect of creative ways to understand programming concepts. I oh, got yeah. really well, excited yeah, about you that. You try uh, Wario. Uh, what is it? WarioWare Inc. What was the one yeah. that you? Yeah, that yep. you make them Wario yourself. Wario. Like that yeah. game had such smart ideas towards teaching you how to be a better yep. programmer. Yeah. Um, but anyway, we got to take a break. When we come back, the mega-sized question block. Well, we'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. Callie Pluggy and Per Schneider, and this is the question block, our community sort of question segment. You email us in at nbc at ign.com. I put out a call earlier on Twitter for questions. Thank you so much if you emailed in. If you don't hear your question, I'm sorry. Uh, maybe we can use it in the future, or there were other reasons. But I did try to include as many as I could. So we've got three blocks today of questions. The fandom block, the miscellaneous block, and the switch block, because that, of course, is on everyone's mind at the I moment. I see what you did there. Let's yeah. go with the fandom block for 200. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, first question is from Kelton, who long uh, longtime listener, first time writing in. First question, well, you had some, several questions. I only went with the first one. Sorry, right. Kelton. First question was Did you guys watch the Majora's Mask short film? And if so, what did you think? Could Nintendo use it as a springboard for their film plans? I loved it. I thought it was so well done. I, and, you know, I, 
I get links sent to me all the time of fan projects, and some are good, and some are great, and some most are not so great, right? Like it's a- amateurs starting to animate. This was pro quality stuff. I mean, the facial expressions, just the kind of the notion of like Skull Kid taking off the beak, and like the way his eyes looked and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you, you can complain about the fairies not actually being ping pong balls in the in the Zelda games, but like everything else looked so professional. And and beautiful and it had this weird kind of creepy melancholy tone just like the game well yeah it captured that tone yeah. perfectly I thought it was cool like if you showed that if Nintendo took that to like a Netflix and said this is a 10 episode season we want to do it's called Majora's Mask it's this story about you know uh, this friendship between a boy and this kind of forest sprite like who wouldn't go for that? It looked so good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, so good. I, I have to agree that uh, – so this was made by uh, Ember Lab is the name of the group. Yeah. Uh, and they teased this in June, believe it or not. Uh, they had a, a Terrible Fate video go up or a teaser for it go up then and then they released it in November. Um, I think that the tone, the direction, the quality was there. I do think it got a lot of people excited. I don't know if I would say how could Nintendo spring, use it to springboard film plans. I think if you're going to do an adaptation, it just reminded you how you have to get the look and feel right. Yeah. But I think that's easier to do for a short film than it is for a longer movie. Really? I, I think I, that whatever you're doing during gameplay is the part that people will bang their heads against the wall trying to figure out. I'm not saying it's impossible. Yeah. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm saying that video game to movie conversions have happened and they have failed miserably from World of Warcraft to Halo. And these are top franchises. These are not like run-of-the-mill, like, oh, this was just like the Hitman movies. Why the hell are those still getting made? I have no Mm -hmm. idea. Yeah, but Um, none of them, none of them, like, they, it's not, it's not the two-hour runtime that kills those movies. I don't think so either. That's not what I'm saying. It's the, they don't get the franchise right they don't do the franchise justice or they're unable to to transform you know what makes those games so cool into a movie experience the, the portion like, of the adaptation I, itself yeah and like look at Majora's, Majora's Mask is such a rich world and such a such a rich story like that concept of the mask right and mm-hmm. how it con- corrupts this this poor little creature like who's benign right into this into this thing that will destroy the world like I mean they didn't even show the moon in this like mm-hmm. Majora's Mask is visually so rich I think it'd be easy to get the story right for something like that but I I didn't expect that look to work as well as mm. it did No, for, sure. I, for me my concern if they were to adapt it into either a film or a, a short series um, is and I always use this example um, I saw an adaptation of To the Moon which is a much shorter game that's yeah. probably a two hour game but uh, that is a game that the story stood by itself, and I don't, I, I don't think it needed to be a game, necessarily. Mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. gameplay elements, for me, were not the draw. Um, whereas Majora's Mask, I think a lot of um, what creates the tension and the eerie atmosphere is the actual you know, gameplay, the mechanics of that game, the having to manage your time. Uh, when someone else is managing the time for you by pacing it in either a film or a, a series, I think that can disrupt that um, because I think the experience is very personal. Mm-hmm. At least it was for me. I don't know. Uh, I, see, see, I want to throw out there. I think Majora's Mask is honestly not that hard to adapt because it's so rich and it has this unique time travel element where it's, it's like Groundhog see, Day. See, what I, what I would which do is so fun and what to I watch. W- the direction I would take it. Um, 
I think the thing that folks don't say about adaptations that constantly sort of bothers me mm-hmm. is that when it is something you already know, like let's say it's a Majora's Mask film from start to end, the problem with that is, sure, I'm, I'm, I'm into the mood, I'm into the spectacle, they could get all of that right, but I know the story. Yeah, but most, so wait, most wait, wait, people won't. Wait, wait, wait. Most people won't. But most people won't. And, yep. that, and that's the audience you want to hook for yep. sure. But I think the thing I'd rather see them do is an original story. And then if you had flashbacks like this, if you had memories like this, if it somehow mm. fit into an overall arc, but at the same time didn't rob you of context, I'm cool with that. I'm excited by so, that. I'm happy by that. But I like the originality when I go see a lot of this stuff. And when I see something match beat for beat and note for note, it does rob a little bit of it, even though it is something I'm excited about. I, I have no problem with original stories if they're done well. I, I love to be surprised. But we are at this point in video, in, with video game to movie adaptations, we're at the very beginning of what like Disney Studios did way, way back in the days. They took, they took fairy tales and they adapted them. And they took the stories and they changed them slightly and adapted the characters and made some, gave them different names and made them more memorable and added song and dance and all that to them. Because we had stories that could be read in five minutes turned into 90-minute movies, right? Mm-hmm. With video games, like they haven't even tried that. Like every video game adaptation goes, oh, there's this video game. Let's forget about the main character in that one. Here's a different take on it. Oh, you you take like Hitman. Quite frankly, to me, it was always such a stupid premise of this mm-hmm. dude with the barcode. No on offense, his head, right? Like no, and like yeah. I love the Hitman games, and I think they're really they're creative, fun, yeah. and very creative. But like that's not. Like I don't find the character that that amazing that I want a game. With so it. I'm but only like, I'm only making this argument because I time and time again the adaptation becomes not as good as the book, not as good as this, not yeah. as good as that, and I feel like you avoid that entirely by just staying true to what the series is, yeah. but find a new story to tell. We'll, we'll see with Assassin's yeah. Creed, right? Yeah, like we will. There, I I feel like the Ezio story was compelling and yep. cool, and the Agreed. setting was good, yep. and like it had this weird mystery with uh, you know the present day stuff. Like I I could have seen them take that story but instead it becomes yet another character and it gets layered on top and it's going to be it's probably going to be a mess in that it doesn't all fit together mm-hmm. right and I, someone I don't know. could it's... get the adaptation really right I, I, sure. I've, I've seen plenty of adaptations yep. that have been actually very high quality so it's not I don't make these comments in order, in order to say the adaptations are bad I'm just saying that I, I think it's easier to do in a short film than it is in, in, in the longer, grander arc sense. And not yeah. runtime, sure. just in terms of getting but, a really good movie that hits but, on every level. But Benjura's Mass, I thought the choice was so good because that is not, there's a bad guy who wants to destroy the world, go and kill him. No, That's it was not personal. the story. Majora's yeah. Mask is very complex yeah, yeah. with the right. whole time travel element yeah. and the sense of loss that you're trying to save this world. Sure. And like you just can't. It keeps on, you keep on running out of time. Yep. And the cause of all this mayhem is a totally benign creature taken over by Mm -hmm. this mask I think it's really cool yeah I mean yeah I'm not saying uh, earlier I wasn't saying that I I don't think you can that it would be too Mm -hmm. hard to adapt Majora's Mask I I do think that the mistake a lot of adaptations make is thinking that the mediums are one to one Uh, media are one to one so Mm -hmm. uh, adapting a book into a movie uh, I for example uh, the Harry Potter movies um, I think the earlier ones kind of captured the the magic of it without uh, and w- while leaving out some of the extra details and they they did a lot of shortcuts and used visuals to give you the feel that it took ten pages mm. um, and then later on they kind of screwed that up by not including key information. But, um, but Azkaban yeah. is a I gotta move forward to Azkaban so is a departure and I yeah. like that yeah. one but best. Yeah. I like yeah. that's yeah. my favorite. That yeah. is my favorite as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I think that with game adaptations they forget that. 
uh, mechanics are an important part of games, and it's very hard to translate that, and you have to be clever about how you do it. Yep. And uh, that would be my concern. All right. So I'm going to lead this one. You're going to lead off on this one, Callie, because okay. this is uh, from the Pokemon uh, community. So this is from Isaac. Uh, first of all, I'll keep this all, uh, short for you awesome dudes and dudette. Uh, Pokemon has seen several uh, hundred, 700 Pokemon as of now, Jeez. over 700 Pokemon as of now. Mm-hmm. My question is, do they continue to build on the number of Pokemon they have, or do they eventually reset? Isn't it getting a little out of hand? I don't know half the Pokemon from any generation except 1, 2, and 3, just as a casual player. So where does the series really go from here? would love to hear your thoughts. All right. I have a lot of thoughts on this. Uh, I think um, within the perspective of the competitive metagame, um, I think with Sun and Moon, um, they've improved upon that by limiting the scope of what can be used. And so they've kind of narrowed it down by picking this pool of Pokemon that comes from all generations and new Pokemon for the island setting. I think the really strong thing they did for uh, casual or you know not meta players um, who play Pokemon really hardcore but just don't go into the meta uh, – they limited the Alola decks to, I think, like 300 or something like that. I'm still working on mine. But it's uh, they narrowed it down so much that they said, here's a manageable bite-sized bit for the Alola decks um, so you can get reacquainted with old and new Pokemon. I thought mm-hmm. that was really smart. Mm-hmm. Um, from here, I... I really like the concept of regional variants, and I kind of want them to explore that further. I think that would be a smart way to add new uh, takes on old things instead of just continuing to iterate and getting up to a thousand Pokemon. Um, because I think it is hard. There's a lot of Pokemon you kind of write off because no one uses them for anything. Yeah. Um, I don't think they should like totally reset. I think they have a yeah. good thing going with the really? pool of Pokemon Extinction. they have. <laughs> oh god wow. wait a minute no. never mind no, no. never mind I have a new yeah, but, idea but, but, po- but, prehistoric Pokemon game that's ooh. all fossil Pokemon what ooh. up, what uh, up? Uh, so exe- <laughs> I feel like Executor was never as po- popular as he is today Absolutely. since yeah. the announcement of the Alola yeah. decks and I don't even I think we asked the team didn't know they were gonna get, people were gonna get that excited about yeah. that they're just like oh my god the, the gift that keeps on giving yeah we asked them about this when we did our interview uh, with Masuda-san and uh, Omori-san Yes. And uh Oh yeah, sorry. Yeah, I didn't realize you were um me. yeah. Uh we talked to them about it and was like, "Oh, which how did you choose which Pokémon?" And it was just like, "Oh, the ones we liked and what we thought were good mm-hmm. for it." Like it wasn't really a methodical choice and mm-hmm. I just I loved the kind of abandon they approached it with mm-hmm. and it was like uh, Executor's yeah. tall now cuz it's sunny there and I was like, I-, "I love it. I love how like <laughs> not it was thought out but not like too overwrought yeah. um, and so I kind of want to see them do that Wait, do more do you meet Snorlax from Russia exactly oh my god I really Smolovsky. I am so sad they didn't do Hula Dancer Jinx like, oh. I, was, uh, uh, I want someone to do fan art for me about it because yeah. I think that'd be fun. it's like just the funniest thing um, yeah. but yeah so in conclusion keeping this short is yeah. I'd rather see them uh, rather than making more Pokemon or trying to bloat the Pokedex even more just exploring new regions and, and maybe kind of taking that variant idea a little bit further um, and that would probably help the fatigue that some people are feeling with I don't know these Pokemon Um, yeah yeah. alright so uh, last question from the fandom block then we're switching to the miscellaneous block uh, (laughs) and that is 
Uh, this one is a question that comes from Brian. He says, my question, how What's do you up, see Brian? the relationship between rap, Apple rap. and Nintendo uh, expanding in 2017? Super Mario Run hype has reached uh, it, its unprecedented levels, at least on the Apple side, right? And he's citing there that, you know, mm. as of a few months ago, 20 million people signed up just to know about that game. Mm-hmm. Uh, earning a spot on stage with Tim Cook is a rarity, <laughs> and Run is the first app that uses can pre-order, blah, blah, blah. Um, do you think Nintendo will continue? Uh, so it looks like Apple is taking this partnership very seriously. Do you think Nintendo will continue to give Apple exclusives and launch windows to expand future titles? Or do they think they will look to other platforms uh, like Apple TV? Oh. This is a big question. So first of all, you know Apple oh. took this seriously and getting this exclusive seriously because it's not – it's the brand. Like Nintendo is one-to-one like synonymous with gaming for years. Maybe not so – uh, prevalent in the past two to three years, you can argue, because you've seen you know the, the slip of Wii U and and sort of them sort of fading into the background as like mobile just took off and skyrocketed. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Apple, you know, recognized just how important having Mario first was. Like that's a big big win for them. Whether or not it develops into something more. I think if it develops into something more, Amiibo is the next step. I think Amiibo to Nintendo means a lot. And if NFC is something that Apple opens up, that's something that helps both of them out. But is Apple going to do that? I don't know. I actually think – I mean the Apple I know is a little more dispassionate about exclusives. Like they – you know, I'm sure once Nintendo said, hey, we'd like to do these games, like they got got closer and developed a relationship that led to the reveal on stage with Nintendo. And that was obviously really good PR for both, right? But I – if you think Apple went after Nintendo and said, you got to do this, that didn't happen. No, right? no, like, so and, and that's why I honestly think Apple is a little lucky that Nintendo said, hey, let's not go Android and, and iOS at the same time. I think deliberately Nintendo said, let's start with one platform and then branch out to the next one. And it plays in Apple's favor. Um, but I see that absolutely happening. Now, Apple TV, that is a home device. And, like, that may be where Nintendo says that's not really what we need right now, right? Like, we're mm-hmm. trying to make a home device that you can take on the go with you. Apple TV is a little bit, bit too close to comfort for that maybe. Mm-hmm. I'd, see, I'd see them go really iPhone, iPad, and then Android. I, I, I mean, I agree. I, I think the TV is where they draw the line. Mm-hmm. I think if, I don't, first of all, I don't even think the TV has as grand of an install base to really go after. For games. Like for well, games, no. for games, games do well on whatever device Apple has them on, but I'm talking about just sheer numbers of the device itself. Like Apple TV to me was this almost there, almost into the game space bid that Apple had until they showed me that remote control. And then I was like, no, like it hasn't simplicity worked. helps. It hasn't worked. But this is not it. This is definitely Apple not TV, it. Like, there are people who play on Fire TV and Apple, uh, Apple TV and, mm-hmm. and all the, the kind of home streaming boxes, but that is not a serious market right now. Yeah, I, I mean, Nintendo is still in the business of making their own consoles. And I think mobile uh, iPhone, iPad is different enough from what they can do there that Nintendo is always looking for creative ways to make games and to iterate on what they've done before. Uh, Taking it to mobile would be separate from that. I don't think Apple TV would be as separate from uh, what they would do on their own on, you know, the Switch coming up. Um, So... Yeah. yeah, I don't really. I, I agree. That's sort of where you draw the line on yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, and uh, um, for for sure, the uh, the TV is uh, it, it competes or it gets like you said closer to the Switch, and thereby is not as as lucrative or as interesting. Yeah, and um, I also think just taking to a, in, into account the Japanese market, uh, 
I've, I feel like I've said this before on this show, but uh, just the the commuter um, culture in Japan mm-hmm. and being on your phone uh, on the train or something. I mean, that's an untapped market for them currently. And mm-hmm. the popularity of Pokemon Go, although that was not Nintendo developing it, uh, is at least a, a lesson in what yeah. the power of that is. And like sure. it can it can stand separately from the handheld, the Nintendo handheld, the Nintendo console. Well, and and sure. Nintendo looks at you know mobile as advertisement. It, it, to them, it's brand advertisement. It's franchise advertisement. It is, mm-hmm. oh, Mario's really good. Exactly. I wonder if I should buy a Nintendo device. And July, That's what the Smash story Bros. was. Yeah, yeah, in July, the story was it, it worked out, right? Mm-hmm. Pokemon sales went up, 3DS sales went up. Uh, but when you get to um, Mario, let's see if Mario gives uh, the Mario series on 3DS a bump. We don't know that. And if January, that's the story to tell, then the synergy thing worked. If it I didn't, mean, then it's not. The mm-hmm. Pokemon story has been a good one so far. Yeah, it has. The, yeah, no, definitely. The pre-orders and the sales of Pokemon, of Sun and Moon. And, yeah, and wait till they hit Gen 2 button on that. Just exactly. <laughs> they, I mean... There, there is clear evidence that this is a smart. I, I want to see it with Mario. I, I yeah. agree, there's evidence, but I want to see w- when Mario gets that bump or not. Yeah. Um, so yeah, definitely. Uh, ne- so from the miscellaneous block, this comes from Paul. <laughs> Dear IGM peeps, I took my kids to see Moana over Thanksgiving, and the whole time I couldn't stop thinking about the Wind Waker and how much it shared yeah. with this movie. That got me craving, uh, got me really craving Nintendo's uh, upcoming foray into movies. Uh, when we got home, I immediately fired up Wind Waker to show that to my son. Have you seen any movies recently where you thought, man, this premise will work perfectly with Nintendo characters? I just I just saw Moana yesterday, and I'm such a Lin-Manuel Miranda fangirl. I just needed to say that. I, what, lo- I love what, him so I haven't seen it yet. Was it very Wind Waker-y for you? It was. The yeah. art, um, there's the whole spiral motif in Moana um, that reminded me of in Wind Waker, like when you have the... Wind Waker is my favorite Zelda game. So just like the, the smoke from a bomb and like the spiral nature of it, it was very stylized mm-hmm. in... Um, I mean, Wind Waker is not so much a Pacific Island style. Uh, Moana is definitely leaning into that more. Um, but the, I, I think Moana, like uh, the ocean, is a character, um, mm-hmm. and they really capitalize on that. And it's and about it just, it's about it, saving the world it, in, in a lot of yes. ways, or, or her world especially, and like sailing through the seas and the the sea as a key component of the world. Yeah. Um, and I think that shares um, that 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 parallels Wind Waker in a lot of ways because mm-hmm. the the sea it, the water is a big part of that game. Uh, whether you liked it or not at the end. Mm-hmm. But. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I, I mean, honestly, like, it's it's tough, right? Like, you watch something like Lord of the Rings and you're like, oh, my God, like, if Twilight Princess mm-hmm. looked like that. But, you know, I always go back to CG animated movies, whether it's the, the kind of newer stuff that Disney has been doing. Disney has been doing awesome, awesome work, right? Or, or the, the kind of Pixar stuff or even, you know, um, like movies like Wreck-It Ralph that really – tackle video games head on like i i would love to see nintendo going into that direction with with uh with you know the mario character set Mm -hmm. um and then you know we've we've seen like if you think about metroid metroid is such an interesting franchise and then it could go more like an alien prometheus kind of looks wise story and like i I see those movies or even the new ghost in the shell right Mm -hmm. like you see that art design you're like oh man that'd be so awesome if we get a movie of that quality in the kind of in the the metroid universe um but you know that would mean that would mean inventing entire stories because like just samus alone somewhere 
would not make for an amazing story, I think. Yeah. Or you end up doing the thing that a lot yeah. of superhero movies do, uh, where they basically have a, uh, someone who's being introduced to that world serving as the portal for the audience. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But that can go one of either way, because sometimes that gets really boring or yeah. really... Mm-hmm. Uh, um, predictable. But, um, I, I agree with you, though, that Metroid should be the one to think about to some extent only because if there's ever been a franchise mm-hmm. that can use a bump right about now, <laughs> it's Metroid. Yeah. Like it, it is and, – and it doesn't have to be like one-to-one license with movie game. It just has to be – you know, pu- push that button. See what happens. Like sci-fi storytelling is where you can try something very experimental yep. if you get the right director, For if sure. you get the right people. And earlier I was talking about, yeah, Halo – uh, and, and other series have tried and, and failed TV or movie, um, but it still boils down, there, boils there, down to like the adaptation, getting the right person to figure that out. There hasn't been a success, and like we talked about this in the past a little bit more. Like you know, game franchises like Bioshock were considered for a movie, and then in the end, Hollywood says, you know what? The bonus we get from some people recognizing this franchise is not big enough to warrant the expense of mm-hmm. trying to recreate this complex world in a in a in a movie, right? Like, and you get you get game adaptations of like Doom, right? That that try some of that, but then lose some of the essence yeah. of what made Doom so good, that factor of isolation and all that. Um, no, like, there, there's another movie. Um, I always thought Speed Racer was the perfect template for, um, for F-Zero. Mm. And I think a lot of people hate Speed Racer, and I, I it's appreciate Marty's that. It's favorite movie, I, I think, actually really wow. liked Speed yeah. Racer. I thought it had the typical Wachowski problem with it. It's too talky. It has, like, this serious, weird element in the middle, and it was ostensibly a kid's movie, right? That's why there's a monkey in it and all that. But, um, uh, I still haven't seen that. I need to watch it. So, but the the feeling you get when he wins the race and the way the races look, the CG, that weird, like, overdone animated CG cartoon look, mm-hmm. really nailed F-Zero. Now, could you take that model and make an F-Zero movie? No, it'd be a huge dud. Nobody's yeah. going to care. Yeah. Right? Uh-huh. Speed Racer was a dud. F-Zero is going to well, be F-Zero doesn't – like, I mean, out of sight of Captain mainstream. Falco and Samurai Goro, like, name one more character for me that's not uh, – oh, so-and-so from yeah. Star Fox or something. Yeah. Um, no. The yeah, guy who looks like Mario. Yeah. There, really, there's a weirdness. Mm-hmm. Really yeah. quickly, to answer the question about specifically movies that made you think it was good for uh, a game is I recently rewatched – before we go on, I just – I had – I got so excited to think about this. I recently rewatched uh, Prince of Egypt, which was one of my favorite movies of all time, DreamWorks. 2D animation, I miss 2D animation in the West so much, um, but there's a hieroglyphic sequence at the beginning, uh, and I think that would be perfect for a Link Between Worlds short. Mm, yep. There you go, there you go. Boom. And maybe that's it too. Like, try the shorts route and like you did with Pikmin and then see if you can build from there. Yeah. But they got to be careful because no one wants to see a bad video game movie. I think we've had enough not from Nintendo at this point. That's why I think animation is the way to go. I mean, yeah, like, honestly, yeah. like, the partner with a studio like Disney because they know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right, yep. here we go. Uh, the switch block has begun. Sorry, miscellaneous block. We, there were more in there. But I have, like, I, five minutes gotta, left. You I have five? Run. That's yeah, it? Okay, run. crap. Yeah. Uh, we'll make well, this I fast. can always leave you to answer more. No, no, no. Yeah. Can oh, you give me ten? Okay. Give me ten. Give me ten. Give me ten. Maybe. Go, go, go. Right. From right. Evan. MVC uh, is his favorite podcast. Here's brevity. Uh, one of the longstanding problems with Nintendo systems is lack of third-party support. I am curious as to why that is. Personally, on Wii U, uh, 
I have tried to support whenever I could buying Call of Duty, Assassin's Creed, Watch Dogs when it came out like six months after the fact. It wasn't six. It was more like four. Uh, I'm saying that he didn't. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> these uh, titles never really uh, gripped me as a gamer. I love Nintendo games for their charm and their fun. I wonder if the problem persists because Nintendo fans will only really play Nintendo games on it. Like, What do third parties have to do to succeed on, on a Nintendo platform or on Switch? One of the big problems is the technical differences between uh, the Sony Xbox and the and Nintendo in the in the past, so the technical differences was always an issue for people. Yeah. But and it uh, wasn't always that story, but it no. became that story. It, right? yeah. it changed, yeah. 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 Um, for me, I mean, I play a, a very weird, eclectic kind of mix of things. Mm. I play Call of Duty a lot because I play with my dad, but I also play a lot of Nintendo games. Um, and so, for me, I never really had that problem of like not being gripped by those titles, so I can't really relate to that. But I think. Um, I mean, it's just, it's really complex when your install base is so dedicated to a console that has so little support from outside. I mean, those are the people who are going to play only Nintendo games. So I mm-hmm. think the, what my hope is for Switch is that um, it'll have enough appeal. And it seems this way so far that it's not so different from what we have currently that ports wouldn't be such a big deal and that there might be a broader appeal to it. Mm-hmm. That is my hope. I saw Skyrim on it, and I will buy Skyrim in any way I can. Yep. So... I mean, it's interesting. Like, there have been third parties who have done very well on Nintendo platforms, even the ones that didn't have the biggest install bases. Think about, you know, the GameCube and, you know, what, uh, you know, for example, LucasArts has been able to to do on those machines. In some cases, you know, N64, you've got, you know, companies like Midway selling really big mm-hmm. or even Ubisoft with, with launch games later on. Um, Probably nobody made more money than uh, I think it was 2K with Carnival Games on the Wii, where uh. they created a game that perfectly captured the spirit of that machine. It was so mainstream. I, I don't know if you ever played Carnival Games. No, but keep going. You're great. getting to what I'm thinking. It's not head. great. Yeah. It's not. It's not that it's awesome. It's that when people bought that machine, they're like, "Oh, I get what this is, and I get what the Wii is, and I want to do. I want to do that. I want to mm-hmm. do that on this machine." And it just became this humongous success on that platform. And so at that point, you know, like even Rock star said oh maybe we need a different type of game like let's do table tennis or something right Mm -hmm. and that didn't work out even though it was a very very good game i think it's just about being smart about what works on a platform and figuring out the niche that would work there what's challenging with nintendo platforms is that that goalpost has moved so many times because like a awesome hardcore fighting game like soul Calibur worked just fine on the gamecube and i had a little help from from mr mr green pants right like link was in soul pants Calibur. Were white continue huh? <laughs> i'm kidding his pants were white continue all right mr <laughs> green, 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 green hood <laughs> oh yeah no he had the little yeah silver, he had tights yeah. on yeah. Yeah. actually yeah. the boss man yeah. <laughs> yeah. no but like that that worked on the game star wars worked on that console yeah. uh, whereas we had to be a little bit more casual we don't know yet what the switch is gonna be and so you're going to see a lot of experiments. I don't think it's going to be the machine where Assassin's Creed will be big. Mm-hmm. And I think we'll see that kind of content at launch, though. And we'll see that, like the Skyrim games. And the word is out whether that's what's going to work. I think that story gets set based on a couple of things. We don't know the technical limitations on mm-hmm. Switch. We don't know how like high the output is or how low. And that has been a barrier. Um, when you look at the past Nintendo generations, you look at 
the N- from N64 on, the story became that third parties wouldn't do as well because of the technology. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sticking to cartridges in the GameCube era, going with these tiny discs, and also going away from online, which was where consoles that, were going. Yeah. Nintendo went the complete opposite direction. Mm-hmm. With Wii, they had the biggest success they've ever had. But the problem I think third parties ran into is who is the audience who really owns this, ma- this machine mm-hmm. and what games do they want? Call of Duty and Activision tried their butts off and made several versions of Call of Duty for that machine that were dedicated for it. Whether they sold well or not, I'm not sure. Then you have games like Carnival Games and people trying their hand at that. EA commissioned several versions of Madden just to figure it out. And the reason they, they kept made doing them that more casual, is yeah. because the install base was there. Yeah. I think it isn't a question of – install base is everything on these things. It really is. And we use third-party base evaporated because – from the the perspective of install base, it never took off. Mm-hmm. Ending off at fourteen, I think it's fourteen mil now. Never mm-hmm. really went anywhere. I think with Wii, it was not understanding which audience really wanted the game. Yeah. With Switch, you're hitting reset, and if the technical stuff is there, third but, party's got to figure that audience out, and that's it. And let's see who comes to it. Is but, it just Nintendo mm-hmm. and the Nintendo fan, or is it other people? Yeah. And it's it's honestly, I mean, there is no uh, third parties are trying to figure this out for every Nintendo machine. Like Acclaim had a huge Sorry, hit in <laughs> French. Acclaim had a huge hit in franchise with Turok on the N sixty four. I was right? talking to my phone. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which was the no, I know, which was kind of like not what people thought would work yeah. that well on the on the N sixty four with like the Nintendo established mm-hmm. games and like and, yeah, and, 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 actually, and Sonic is doing well on Nintendo well, platforms. Regardless, brands, yes. right? brands are important. Mm-hmm. Brands were everything. Star Wars, the the Rogue license became yeah. a big like. That was the Star Wars brand for crying mm-hmm. out loud, and they did a great job with it. I think mm-hmm. that's also part of that formula. I mean, I do want to touch on online again because mm-hmm. that is such a big deal for a lot of games. I mean, that's why the shooter base is not there at all. That is mm-hmm. – it's so important. I mean, that was my big problem with Splatoon was not having uh, a way to talk to my teammates um, unless I was Skyping with people I knew in real life while playing Splatoon, and I loved Splatoon. Um, and it's just one of those things that, you, like, Nintendo did not go the online route, and a lot of third party was really leaning into that. And I don't know how Call of Duty did on the, the Wii, but I think the aiming and the lack of online would be two things that really hurt it, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I would expect it to not have done very well. Mm. Uh, I'd be very surprised they, to hear it did, was a success. They did all right. I mean, they, they certainly, I mean, the I believe the the first Call of Duty did, did just fine on the mm-hmm. Wii, but in the end, I don't think it did better than the other kind of legacy console versions mm-hmm. to the point where mm-hmm. they wanted to keep on supporting them. Obviously, yeah. you know, they, yep, they yep, stopped yep, yep, at yep. one point. Yeah. But yeah, when you, when you have that many people who own the machine, they're going to try a Call of Duty, but after a while, they may upgrade and exactly. they want to get the, the really true up-to-date new version. Yep. Right? Exactly. All right, so this is our last question because mm-hmm. Pear got places to be and uh, GM decisions to make. No, you're fine. <laughs> um, and uh, here we go. This is from Steven. Excuse me. Love your show and have been listening for years. Do you believe that because Do of Pokemon Sun and, Be- Sun and Moon... Oh, you just cut me <laughs> off, bro. <laughs> that because of Sun and, uh, Sun and Moon's early success will foster, foster a new version slash release on the Switch similar to Crystal Emerald Platinum uh, as a definitive version. So first, I just want to clear this up for Steven. I think he's referring to Stars. the Eurogamer story that was there is a third game to the Pokemon Sun and Moon franchise called Pokemon Stars that is considered a companion game. And yeah, basically, does the companion game show up on Switch or not? What do you think? 
I sincerely hope so. I remember uh, loving Pokemon Stadium. If it's a companion that is not one-to-one with Sun and Moon, I think you could do really well. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if they are smart about it, um, I saw this with Animal Crossing, when Animal Crossing went from Wild World to City Folk on the Wii, for, for, so from handheld to console, I missed all the handheld things about it. Uh, I think that's the danger with Pokemon is a a lot of things are very convenient when it's a handheld. It is the pocket monsters. um, And there's a reason for that. And so uh, if they were to make a companion game on the Switch, which does seem to be sort of like half on the go, I think it could work really well. And I think they could do it in a really smart way that's not just a repeat of what it is, but uh, a building upon it, like with some of the uh, third games in those entries, like with Yellow being kind of an elevated version uh, to be a companion to the anime or with Emerald introducing the whole like little Rayquaza arc, stuff like that. Um, I think they could do it in a really... I sincerely hope it happens. I think the building blocks are there. I think it, what this all hinges on is what is the companion game and what does that mean to to Pokemon Company. And I say this because if the companion game is take the Sun and Moon template, take that exactly as is, sort of beef up the production value a little more. And when I say a little, I think that... You know, a lot of the reasons maybe you saw better camera work, a mm-hmm. lot of the reason that you saw more emphasis on some of the details is potentially maybe they were thinking about exactly. that. But and less my... emphasis on 3D, right? Yeah. But here's, here's <laughs> where this, point. this train comes to a complete stop. I think that the story for Switch games has to – I would want the story for Switch games to be, and I think Nintendo does too, big console games anywhere you want. Big power anywhere you want. I don't think that train travels in reverse, being that mm-hmm. portable games come up to the TV and still look or feel like portable games. Right. I think that the first game to me has to be like this this big, you know, not maybe necessarily a new gen, but the RPG itself and finding your way to make that work within uh, this framework that you've built. Yeah. It can't be, to me, it can't be Sun and Moon and Stars be that, that Pikachu like Pokemon Yellow because to me that story isn't as impressive. Whereas when you take Zelda Breath of the Wild and you pull that down and say that's a portable experience, that's an awesome story to tell. When you take Pokemon Sun and Moon and you pull that the other way, it does not feel as impressive to me. I think it it would because by the time that the Switch comes out, people will have a ton of Pokemon on their 3DSs. They're ready for a new experience. And if they released a beefed up, visually more beautiful version of Sun and Moon that had some extra special cool hook but was also able to talk to those games – that is a very compelling reason for a 3DS owner to buy a Switch. Absolutely. And right? then the, the other thing is one of the things that I'm missing in Sun and Moon, not missing, I mean, it's not a huge uh, detriment to my experience, is the post-game, uh, I've noticed the Elite Four doesn't really scale to you. It did in Omega mm. Ruby off of Sapphire. Um, and it can be hard to get to level 100, which is when you can start hyper-training. And so I've noticed that there's a little bit of a gap there, mm-hmm. that the post-game, there's a plenty to do, but it seems like there's something left to be mm-hmm. done there and that would be my vision for a companion game is okay if I mean this is how it worked in uh, on the N64 with Pokemon Stadium you could take your game and use your Pokemon in Pokemon Stadium mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. if there was some sort of connection there where I could port my Pokemon in train them up beef them up if there was something more there um, and then trade them back and then have my handheld this is my competitive cartridge and i'm gonna go compete in a competition see like yeah i I think what what grabs me um is just that when i look at you know simple things like auto animations and when you're talking to characters in that world 
Uh, part of me, the problem is they're not as interesting, but that's a story issue. The other is that even from a presentation perspective, they're very just, I'm in the same loop until you move on. Mm-hmm. I just don't think that looks as good on a TV anymore. I think in the N64 era, you had that. I think in, uh, I think with Wind Waker HD, I was willing to accept it because mm-hmm. this is a remake of a classic game and you didn't go, you didn't, you weren't trying to remake it from the ground up. You were making, right. you know, modifications to this thing. Twilight Princess, same story. I think with Switch, if the story is on TV and it's big time, I want it to be big time for Pokemon that first time. Mm-hmm. You're probably going to get your pocket tournament if 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 this is if this is sort of the part of the Switch's story is the reintroduction of Wii U games that you've already seen, but with added material. Mm-hmm. You're going to have those. I think for Pokemon, the first one should be a special one and not just the one that is that falls in line with some of that stuff. Yeah, it could be though that you know you can outsource 3D modeling of your your Pokemon to a hundred different companies, and you can create some pretty visually compelling battle sequences, right? Even mm-hmm. if your core game is like this, oh, you're basically this is very similar to the handheld version. But look what happens when you go into battle now. Look how good Pikachu looks. Like I think that could be a compelling reason for be. Pokemon fans to trade yeah, up. Yeah, as, it could be as long 100%. as. Mm-hmm. As long as it doesn't go the way of uh, Gale of Darkness or Ooh. Coliseum, because yeah. uh, I, I mean they would really have to be smart about how they yep. did it. And I, yeah. I think the seeds of that are there in Sun yeah. and Moon. I mean, just mm-hmm. going circling back, the camera work does seem like they were laying some yeah. groundwork. Yeah, yep. yeah, no, and, I, and maybe this is just one of those I need to see it to believe it yeah. kind of things. And maybe if I do see it, I'll come around and be like, you know what? For the first one, this is fine. You got training wheels on. Yeah. The next yeah. one, I want the next one to be. The big mamma jamma, you guys figure this out. Um, and I, just because I, I do want to see that. Like, I think we've been waiting long enough for Pokemon to hit the TV. I don't want portable sloppy seconds. And that's a terrible way to put it. No, no, I, that, I totally understand what my, you my, mean. My I thing. get it. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's very dangerous because it can make it look just like an oversized 3DS, and people will go, like, Well, I don't want that giant 3DS with me, right? Like, yeah, you have I, to be careful how you tell that story. So you can't yeah. just be. A, the same the same game exactly but no. you know i think there is a they have seen the power of pokemon with pokemon go now they're seeing the power of what happens after pokemon go with the success of sun and moon which are selling incredibly well right mm-hmm. for a franchise that many people have said is a fad and would be over every time right and like ah. it's big it's <laughs> back they they are working on something to make sure that that audience moves to the switch yeah yeah this was a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, it's always a lot of fun on the show. Thank you so much uh, for joining us this week. Thank you uh, for sending in questions. I didn't get to them all, but I have more questions to dig through in the upcoming episodes. Um, so make sure you stick around for that. Thank you for listening to Nintendo Voice Chat. You know we're a weekly show. You know where to find us. But uh, definitely check out the uh, Nintendo Voice Chat YouTube channel. You see the video version of the full episode, which some of you are very much into. I always feel like I still kind of write the show from the perspective of the audio, but maybe that has to change and maybe uh, now uh, is the right time. So make sure you check that out. Leave us feedback, especially uh, on iTunes or on uh, the YouTube channel as well. You can leave them per episode. Pear, I know, reads a lot of them. I try to read them when I can. Um, And lastly, you can find us all on Twitter. You can find Callie Plaguey at... Inky Dojiko, I-N-K-Y-D-O-J-I-K-K-O. You can find Pear Schneider at... Pear IGN, (laughs) P-E-E-R-I-G-N. And you can find me, Jose underscore Otero, no song, uh, at... I was not as slick either. On Twitter, yeah. It was was good. It was good. uh, Very practiced. All right, well, thank you very much for listening, and we'll be back next week with more Nintendo Voice Chat.